Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the great Scott show, the great sports callers open think tank. The Milwaukee Bucks, for the first time in 50 years, are NBA champions. They are the antithesis of the trend that many were critical of, that many complained about, but watched because the ratings would suggest so, and that is superstar leaves small market to join super team, go to a bigger market, win a title for a team that's won many. Okay. You see, the Bucks weren't... Oddly enough, the Spurs built their own team. The Spurs won a lot. They were in a small market, but it's almost like they just get forgotten about. It's about the teams that really hadn't won any this century or in the modern era. And Milwaukee did it at home with a sea of fans outside. Just fans are the best, right? It was a legendary performance by the superstar. I mean, my God. Giannis is 26 years old. I I, I really think, if you want to talk about conspiracy theories in the NBA, I, I, I might buy that Giannis is just not human. He might just be a robot. 50 points. Four rebounds, five blocks. He was guarding Chris Paul at times. He was guarding DeAndre Ayton at times. Sometimes he's guarding both of them at the same time. And Milwaukee wins their first title since Lou Alcindor, who was not named Kareem Abdul-Jabbar yet, was on the team in 1971. Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, you saw James Harden trending last night because a couple of years ago he was critical of Giannis winning an MVP. I guess I wish I was seven feet tall and could dribble and dunk and didn't have much, didn't take much skill. Sorry, James. It's bad beat, buddy. If you tune in, if you, if you watched last night or if you listen here on ESPN 1420, you witnessed one of the all-time great performances in NBA history. I'm being hyperbolic. I am not being over the top. It was that good. Not all championship teams are are, are the same. Right? They're not. But the way you view certain teams, the way we view certain teams and how they did it, you probably view LeBron James's championships a little different, each one. The Miami one, the Lakers one, the Cleveland one. ESPN, the national sports scene, the narrative, the constant talking heads. Where should Giannis go? He should get out. Where should he go where he could win a championship? Um why would he need to go anywhere? Milwaukee trades a bunch for Drew Holiday, adds him to the team. Some are critical of it. I'd say it worked out. 
Chris Middleton, a former second-round draft pick, played the G League, gets thrown into a trade, is in Milwaukee, works his way in to the starting rotation and then to an all-star, and then the Robin Giannis's Batman on an NBA championship team. Giannis has chased the ring. He said he wants to be a champion, and now he is a legend in the NBA, and, in a, and, he, and he's a legend in Milwaukee forever. Forever. He re-up committed to a, quote, small market team. Had belief in his teammates. And won an NBA championship in an absolutely otherworldly performance. The Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Absolutely absurd last night. Speed early. And you see what Giannis did. He came over as he dunks it on the spin there. Middleton is going to won't go. And then Kupo with the follow. Bucks, meanwhile, just 6 of 18. Kupo lays it up and in. He is dominating right now. Five and a half. Here in the fourth. Antetokounmpo off one foot. It's good. 36 points for Giannis Antetokounmpo. throws it down. A quick bucket. What do you want them to do? That's a non-shooting foul. <laughs> Holiday inside. Antetokounmpo gets to the rim on a pretty slip pass. Way short on the three. Tucker grabs it. Back to Antetokounmpo. And the Bucks regain the lead. Because of the injury, Dario Sharge. That's his play the heck of a lot. Antetokounmpo draws the foul. Banks it home and a chance for a three-point play. Holiday. Inside pass. Broken up by Booker. Still loose. Antetokounmpo takes it away and throws it down. Crowder fouls Antetokounmpo. Gets past him inside for the slam. Portis. Giannis. Antetokounmpo inside. It's too much hand holding on to the ball. The spin move. The finish. Giannis does it again. Antetokounmpo calling for it. Goes against Crowder. Gets inside. Backer won't go. The rebound. Back up and in. Middleton off the bounce, throws it up, back shot, no good, Antetokounmpo with the follow. Middleton inside, nice entry pass, and the slam from Antetokounmpo. Adelaide looking, inside Antetokounmpo, puts up the one-hander, shot is good, does it again. Antetokounmpo, the sixth player in NBA history to score 40-plus points three times in a single NBA Finals. Simply incredible. Giannis was on a Bucks team that in 2013, his rookie year, 2013-2014 season, had the worst record in the NBA, 15-67. and 67. Oh, Chris Middleton was on that team as well. And now they're NBA champions. It's good for the league. It's good for the league. I mean, Chris Vanini said it, said it well last night. He said it well when he tweeted, Small market team, drafts a star player, build around him. He chooses to stay. They win a title, and he becomes a mega star there. Beats another young rising star in a small market. Gives hope to those markets. Imagine thinking this finals was bad for the NBA. True that. Doesn't mean Brooklyn might, you know, Brooklyn will probably be the betting favorite to go to the finals next year. Maybe win it. And 
if if Kevin Durant wore a size 15 shoe instead of a size 14 shoe, maybe it would have happened this year. Maybe Milwaukee wouldn't have happened, but it did. It did. Here we are. I'm Scott Prather. It's the Great Scott Show, ESPN 1420. Elliot Clough of the Pelicans Plus podcast, NBA analyst, joining me in about 10 minutes. Phone lines are open outside of that at 269-1077-337-277. Giannis, Michael Jordan, and Hakeem Olajuwon. The Greek Freak, Air, and the Dream. Only players in NBA history to be a regular season MVP, a defensive player of the year, and a finals MVP. Pretty good company, Giannis. Pretty good company for a 26-year-old. On a night last night when Drew Holiday's defense was incredible, but his shot was not falling. Chris Middleton's shot, not. They hit some big shots in the fourth quarter. And and Middleton hit some big shots late, but as a whole, it wasn't like it was either of their best games, even close to some of their best games offensively in the NBA playoffs. But how important was Drew Holiday? All these all these NBA writers that were suggesting before the season, yeah, not much of a trade-off for Drew Bledsoe, Drew Holiday for Eric Bledsoe. Man, I don't even know what they're thinking. Um, excuse me? No, 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 no. You should have you should you should just have your account suspended. Whether you type, whether you literally write with a pen, that should all be taken away from you for a month if you had that take. You know what Drew Holiday's plus minus was in the NBA playoffs? When he was on the floor throughout this postseason for the Bucks, Milwaukee was plus 139. That is a sick number right there. And it's not like his offense was there every game. You'd have a game here and there where he'd go off. It's all about that defense. They make the move, and you could say, oh, it's bad for the Pelicans, perhaps. I mean, those Bucks picks aren't even uh, – Pelicans might not even own the rights to them by the time 2025 rolls around. But it was um, it was a great finals. It was a great moment. And Chris Paul and, and, and Monty Williams and the Suns, you know, for Paul, it, it – it's another playoff disappointment for Paul, but he has now been in an NBA Finals. Chris Paul had to sit down last night as one of the members of the Suns that was sitting down in the media room to talk to the media in Milwaukee, and he can hear through the wall, Queens, we are the champions, blaring. He can hear the... 80,000-plus Bucks fans in and around and outside the arena, cheering, screaming, just going absolutely bananas. He had never been closer to an NBA championship, been in the league 16 years. They're up 2-0. And now that finality of, boy, this is done. This season's over. Didn't happen. Partly because Giannis was... Freaking Hercules last night with 50, 14, and 5. I just keep looking at that stat line, just blown away. But between Paul's time in New Orleans and L.A. with the Clippers and Houston with the Rockets and, you know, not 
even OKC is one Thunder and OKC with the Thunder. Uh, it's one season in OKC with the Thunder. You know, raising those teams to contender status, but never actually winning it. But this notion that we can't lead a team, we got them to the finals. A young and inexperienced Suns team that two years ago had the second to worst record in the NBA. Two years ago. They can't enjoy the moment now, nor should they. But as time goes on, Monty, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, those guys eight, and they'll be able to look back and appreciate what they accomplished this season, but not right now. And then how, how weird is this? Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Devin Booker are all scheduled to go join Team USA. So now a couple things here. Number one, Holiday, Booker, on a flight together for 19 hours, Middleton, two of those three are champions. The other just lost to him. It's going to be an interesting flight. A private, long, private flight. What are we going to talk about, guys? But if you're Holiday and Middleton, isn't there a small part of you that wishes you just kind of passed on, on, on Team USA this year? Just this year, I know that. It's the Olympics, and there's some questions. Some aren't even sure if it's going to happen, but you're about to get on a plane today or tomorrow morning and, and fly off when that city and whole state is about to party nonstop after winning a championship? You're going to miss the parade? You're going to miss all the fun? Oh, man. Uh, close contact. I'm not sure if I should go yet. Come up with some kind of excuse. But, you know, my friend Ralph Malbro, who hosts the Saints Happy Hour podcast, friend of the program, he said it last night. Like, cities that don't usually win a championship, rarely win a sports championship, they party and celebrate better and harder and have more fun than when the, the Blue Bloods do. And that's, I'm not knocking the Blue Bloods. They have fun. They celebrate. It's amazing. But there's no, there's nothing like the first time or the first time in a really long time. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. ESPN 1420 and as I said, we're going to talk NBA Finals this morning. Maybe a little college football, mainly NBA Finals. Tomorrow's going to be a lot of college football. I will be at Sunbelt Conference Media Days. I'm talking to Billy Napier, Commissioner Gill, among others. ESPN1420.com. Troy chimes in. Says, isn't this the same? Hang on. Isn't this the same, Yonix, that, that two weeks ago every show on the station was saying it's over and the Suns will win it all? Bucks coach needs to be fired. Now we're going to praise him and say he's one of the best ever. My how things can change in a week. LOL. Um pick the Sun. I did pick the Suns to win the series. Um Never thought that Giannis wasn't good. I never suggested Coach Bud should be fired. And 
I never stop praising you. And is he one of the best currently of this current era? Absolutely. And yes, winning a title and having a Herculean effort in a championship, things like that. And it's the NBA. If you follow it, you know how irrational folks can be week to week. But if you can't sit down and appreciate that performance last night by him, why are you even watching sports, man? That was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Elliot Clough's going to join me next. We'll get his thoughts on it. What it means in the bigger picture for the NBA. We'll chat with um, him about, I guess, now that the NBA Finals is over. I don't know when the Pelicans are going to announce Willie Green's their new head coach, but could be today or tomorrow. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott show. Great sports callers. Open think tank. Continues right after this on 1820. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott Show. This ain't golf. This ain't tennis. It ain't about me. It's about us. On Sports Radio ESPN 1420. I came out on top. And and everything that I laid out there, um, just all the all the fighting that we had to do this season, uh, working out in the off season, everything that you put in with with, with your family and everything is um, is all worth it. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Welcome back in to the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Joining me now. From the Pelicans Plus podcast. You've heard him on our airwaves many times before. NBA analyst, NBA writer, Elliot Clough jumps in on the show. Good morning, Elliot. How you feeling? I am great, Scott. How are you doing? Doing well, man. Um I I, I it's it's hard to find words to describe that performance. From Giannis last night, but uh, at some point, it's like he he some light went off, and it's like no one could stop me. And on a night where they could win a championship, on a night when you know the the second and third best offensive options were struggling with their shot, he stepped up in a way and just put to quite frankly a legendary performance i think about game six closeouts i think you know i think of jordan against the jazz i think of lebron um against the spurs and and i think of Giannis. man it was it was truly incredible uh like i said you know you can run out of adjectives quickly and still feel like you, you haven't done justice to what that was last night you're exactly right and you pretty much described it in every way that uh that I could as well. I mean, Giannis, who has struggled from the free throw line, went 17 of 19 last night. (laughs) It's like he suddenly realized, oh, I can hit these two on a closeout (laughs) game. It's like his best night ever from the line. It was just wild, man. Exactly, exactly. 16 of 25 from the field. He only shot three three three-pointers, and and he he made one. uh, Credit to him, but also credit to him in, in terms of just, you know, not taking them. We talk about this being a three-point shooter's league, but the team that won last night, 6-27 of 27 from three. The team that lost, 6-25. of 25. So, you know, it was just pure dominance by Giannis around the basket. Nobody could stop him. DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges, 
Well, Frank Kaminsky, there was just nothing to, to do to stop him last night. And the fact that the Bucks won four in a row is completely indicative of Giannis's dominance. Nope, no, stop him over those four games. There was just so little he could do. And all of this coming off that hyperextended knee as well, where we weren't sure if he was going to even play in the finals. Oh, look, Elliot, when, when that happened, when the knee injury happened, I'm sorry to cut you off. I mean, it's like no, you're fine. everyone, if I've, I've said this before, if that happened to you or I, they probably have to amputate our leg. You know, like we wouldn't be walking <laughs> or, or if not, we wouldn't be walking for like a year. We would have all kind of rehab. The guys like back out and game one of the NBA finals, like it never happened. I mean, go back and look at the video and it's like, good God. Like, this guy's going to do what on July 20th? He's going to close out with 50 points. He's going to score 40-plus with three with you know three times with three triple-doubles, double, double doubles, all in the NBA Finals, and they're going to wait, what? No, I just saw his knee. There's, I mean, it looks like it might be torn all up, all these ligaments. No. Like, that, that you know, Greek Freak is the proper, you know, it's just it's a named nickname that he's been given, but... That right there, it's like it's a reminder. I mean, if there if there's a conspiracy in the NBA, it might be that Giannis just isn't a human being right now. It just might be a robot. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's fair. And you know, on on top of all of this, it it's just an incredible story. I don't know if you've been able to listen to the Woj Pod on him being drafted and his journey to the NBA. I haven't been able to listen to it yet, but um, all of his brothers are he and his brothers are NBA champions. He came from being dirt poor in, in Greece and, and coming to Milwaukee, sending so much money to his family back in Greece that he was running to the stadium before games rather than taking a taxi or an Uber. And it's just an incredible story. I mean, you go back and look at how much he's grown physically. Uh, I, I just couldn't be happier for the young man. Obviously, it, it's it's sad and it's difficult to see Monty Williams and Chris Paul get so far, so far, and and, and fall to to these Bucks. But if you're going to lose to a team, at least it's you know to Drew Holiday, who's an incredible human being. The Bucks are filled with awesome people, and then this incredible, incredible story by by Giannis and and his brothers just ascending to being some of the best basketball players in the entire world and and winning a championship at the age he's 26. That's right. Um, he's 26. Done, done so much in so little time. It's incredible. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. I remember a game in his second year. They were playing um, in New Orleans. It was a Pelicans Bucks game. It was the year, it was it was Monty Williams' last season in New Orleans. Actually, I remember it. And um, you know this skinny kid, like so much ability, but you you just wasn't wasn't honed in yet. But there was talk of you know and look, a lot of people couldn't pronounce his name yet. This is just year two. But there was just talk of, man, this guy could become something special. And um, I don't think anyone even imagined it would be what it became. And at this point, and it didn't take that long for him to turn into an MVP. But there was still, well, you know, is he really the best player? And he has this and that. And what's that skill set? Uh, they were all on display last night. And, you know, he um, it, it, a good story for the NBA too, right? I mean, his rookie year, like in 2013 and 2014, Milwaukee had the worst record in the NBA. Worst record in the league. And Chris Middleton and Giannis were both on that team. Um, it is extremely rare in the NBA. I mean, I don't even know if we'll, we'll ever see it again, honestly, um, in these these times. But for 
you know, two players to stay that long, one be an MVP, the other be a multi-time All-Star who was, you know, a second-round pick playing in the G League, to stay in a small market and, you know, be the Batman and Robin uh, of of an NBA champion. I don't think, you know, I know it is great for the NBA. It was cool. It was fun. You know, Phoenix, second-to-worst record in the league two years ago. I know a lot of people were talking about it's good for, you know, some of the teams and it gives them hope and stuff. But honestly, I, I hope it's a sign of things to come, Elliot, but I don't I don't know that we're ever going to see a finals or even an NBA champion uh, like what we got last night with those two teams and then the team that won it all. It's it's rare today in the NBA, and I don't know if this is a breakthrough moment where anything changes. It's hard for owners. It's hard for teams to be patient. It's hard to convince superstars to to stay in a place and, and want to stay there to, to win it all. But the stars align for, uh, for the Bucs and um, – I don't know. I I look at this more of um, kind of the exception than the norm. I don't know that we're going to see more stories like this, but I still enjoyed the hell out of it. Do you feel like this is a trend of things to come or more of, look, it was special, but you know what? Um, a lot of the more new age developments in the NBA are going to continue the way they have been. I would say that I have hope that it's it's a trend of of things to come and that's because like i said such an incredible story and 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 you referenced it there with chris middleton and Giannis being in the same market for for as long as they have been uh but we have to consider the injuries that happened for los angeles the injuries that happened for brooklyn uh, the, the fact that the Knicks are on the come up, and we know the history of Tom Thibodeau, they may very well be a first-round exit. We can't necessarily say that they're going to be championship contenders or anything, but obviously, given the fact that you and I both cover the Pelicans, what we can hope for, what we can look towards the future and, and say this is a possibility, is that Zion and Brandon Ingram are kind of the – up-and-coming Chris Middleton, Giannis, but they're not because they're already stars, right? So you'd like to think that looking at this from that vantage point is is saying hopefully Zion and, and Brandon Ingram realize they got to play some, some damn defense, right? Um, and to, to make this about the, the team that we cover, obviously, but um, I, I, I would hope that this ignites a little bit of a flare in, in some of these small market guys that are like, you know what, maybe, maybe we can do this. Maybe I don't have to leave. And, and I, I think that ship has, has more or less sailed with Damian Lillard. But, you know, you look at the other up and coming guys like Shea Gilgis Alexander in Oklahoma city. Uh, let me think here. Uh, D'Angelo Russell cat in, in Minnesota. They, obviously they're a ways away, but, um, the, the, I, I'm hoping that that trend continues. Whether it does or not, I'm probably going to be a little bit skeptical just because of the sheer firepower of, of the Brooklyns and, and the Lakers, who pretty much the Lakers are just going to reload, I, I would assume. But I, I, I'm hopeful that, that that trend continues. ESPN1420.com, Elliot Clough, our guest. Uh, Elliot, the, um, you know, I think, I think it's, it's one thing if a team is struggling and not really doing anything that would suggest they're close to being a contender. Uh, and it's another to be so close. And Milwaukee's been close, you know, so it made sense to re-up. It made sense to add a piece like Holiday, who played the quote from him last night talking about putting the hard work in when we were uh, introducing you. 
in the NBA playoffs, he is plus 139 on the floor. I mean, it, it, for anyone that, that was skeptical if that trade was going to work out, uh, year one, doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter what happens after this. I mean, he's the trade worked out because they got a championship out of it. They don't win it without him. Plus 139. His defense and his offense come and goes. All right, we've seen that. But his defense was just, it was on point uh, the entire postseason. And it was a big reason, you know, he didn't really have much time on Chris Paul at all in game one. And uh, that changed beginning with game two. I think it was a big reason why Paul was, you know, his game um, was great in game one and struggling a little bit, you know, not not as good as he was in game one the rest of the series. Holiday was the biggest part of that, in my opinion. Um, but for those that before the season were suggesting that, oh, you know, is that really much of an upgrade from Eric Bledsoe? Um, I think it's okay to <laughs> look. I've been wrong about plenty of stuff, and I can admit it. You know, I I where the finals started, I thought the Suns would win the finals. Guess what? I was wrong. It's fine. If you were one of those that thought there was between Bledsoe and Holiday, uh, and if you if you <laughs> If you didn't, then you clearly didn't watch the Pelicans this year. But if you're one of those, it's okay. It's okay just to go ahead and admit, you know what? That was a bad take. I was wrong about that. Oh, one hundred percent. Drew went four of nineteen from the field last night. Still played forty six minutes because he's so important to what they do defensively, and he also impacted the game in other ways. Eleven assists, nine rebounds, and if you listen to the Zach Lowe, his podcast, The Low Post. Tim Legler was on in this recent episode and was talking just so highly about Drew Holiday. Like, he's built like a strong safety in the NFL. He's guarding Chris. I mean, you could see it in Chris Paul from the beginning of the game last night. He just looked gassed. Like, he was running on fumes. And it's because of what Drew Holiday has done over these last few games. Like, Chris Paul isn't young anymore. It might have been a different story if he was 26 and not 36, but Drew Holiday was all over him from the moment he'd catch the ball in the backcourt, every time after a made basket or any other dead ball, they'd still give the ball to Chris Paul, and, and Drew Holiday would make him turn three or four times before he'd get to half court. Like, it was just a, a, an otherworldly performance from him defensively, and, and the, the storyline around the, the finals was, yeah, Giannis is going to get his, but you got to force Drew and, and, and Chris to, to do their thing. Well, Giannis scored 50 points. Drew Holiday had 12, Chris Middleton 17, and Chris Middleton had some really clutch buckets last night. But Drew Holiday and and Chris, for that matter, impacted the game in such a different, transcendent way that was so incredibly important. I mean, like I said, Drew Holiday played the most minutes out of everybody on the Bucks last night, 46. And he just, there was was nothing that, that you could do to really eliminate his impact on the game. He stopped guarding Chris Paul after la- after a while last night. Um, I-, I think the Bucks could tell Paul was gassed, and there wasn't much he was going to contribute after a while. And he started guarding Devin Booker. And Booker, who went for 40 two games in a row, last night 8 for 22, 0 of 7 from 3, and scored 19 points. You could probably credit that a little bit to fatigue. But, man, I, I- this is – this is who Drew Holiday is. I mean, some people were giving him a hard time because of his lack of impact on the offensive end, but you're going to get impact from him either way. And that plus minus is the indicator that anybody can point to and say, that guy, <laughs> well, 
he's not Eric Bledsoe, but but two, he's going to impact the game one way or another, and that is just I'm so happy for him. You know, we talk about the incredible story of Giannis, but Drew is just a phenomenal human being, and to see him win was just so gratifying. Who was the last athlete that that had a moment like Giannis where they were? I mean, there there might be a few people out there that don't like him for some odd reason, but he seems to be universally liked. You know what I mean? Like he just, whether it's the quotes, the hard work, you know, finally breaking through, winning a title. You know, once you win a few, uh, fans will turn on you pretty quick. That are you know casual fans. Well, we want someone new, whatever. Right. But but at this <laughs> moment in time, I mean. Was the last time an athlete at at a high level in sport was this universally liked like Giannis? Oh man, I, I that is a great question. Um, I'm trying to think. I, um, Good luck. I mean, you know, it's yeah, it's. I, uh, I think maybe maybe in the early run of Steph when they first kind of started to come up, there was there was. I was going to say that. There, 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 I just felt like there was even more a little bit of. I'm not sure. Um, but as time went on, you know, people turn on the Warriors for various reasons. Um, but Giannis just, I mean, when you average over 35 in the playoffs, over 35 points, 13 rebounds, five assists in the finals, rather, um, it's just crazy. I mean, he's only the fourth player to have three or more games scoring 40 or more in a single final since the merger. Uh, the others are MJ, LeBron, and Shaq. And, um, you know, he, he take other than LeBron, no one's – had that many restricted area attempts per game in the paint. Like you said earlier, he wasn't just sitting there. He wasn't always taking to some open three. Uh, he was he was doing what he had to do. And a guy whose Achilles heel seemed to be his free throw shooting, um, you know, when he's hitting like 55% entering the game, to go 17 and 19, which is crazy. And I'm glad he missed one because – 50 just sounds better than 51. I know it might, you know what? That might sound ridiculous coming out loud, uh, saying it out loud rather, but it's like years from now, you're like 50. Yeah. 50. He had 50. I mean, 50. There's something about that round number in a finals closeout game that's just cool. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. Uh, To to reference the thing about players being universally loved, too, I mean, if you're looking at, championship winners that's going to be a little bit more difficult but i mean you know you talk about like derrick rose and those type of stories um the guys coming back from injury i had to reference that but uh yeah i mean you're exactly right Giannis was just other otherworldly last night and and on top of that he's made these incredible plays throughout the series and it's it's not just offensively you talk about uh, guys like Steph Curry who can score 50 in a game but don't impact the game on the other side of the basketball. And Giannis, I believe he had five blocks last night, and it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just a, a block where you go, oh, dang, like it happened, but it was like stand up off your seat. Wow, he just swatted Devin Booker uh, and right in front of the basket, or, or he did it to DeAndre Ayton. I mean – this guy is he's he's gonna start to continue to climb the all-time list and to say that about somebody who's 26 years old is is not common i I, and on top of his story like i've referenced a couple times already man i I, it's it's just so difficult to to not like this guy and, and to not root for him especially with the intensity with which he plays the game of basketball 
I mean, he's going 100% from tip to final buzzer. How can you not love this guy? Yep. Good stuff. Uh, you know what? Championship teams, you got to have a little luck. You got to take chances. And uh, Milwaukee did it all. The trade for a holiday, uh, you know, Durant's foot being, in, you know, one inch too small. Giannis not ripping his knee off like all of us would have. All of these things, they all go into uh, a team being a champion, and um, it worked out for him. Good for them. Elliot Clough is our guest. Elliot, you good to hang out for one more segment? Let's do it. All right, Elliot Clough, uh, NBA writer for Boot Crew Media, Pelicans Plus podcast. Now that the finals is done at some point, Willie Green will officially be announced as the next head coach of the Pelicans. What to make of that and more. We'll talk about it next at CSPN1420.com. Great Scott show. Don't go anywhere. Wake up, everybody. Good morning. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. I'm Scott Prather. Elliot Clough is on the line with us. Real quick, uh, Troy emails the show. Says, didn't realize Aaron Rodgers was a part of Bucks ownership. Wow. Yeah, Rodgers. What did he tweet last night? Crown him. Hashtag NBA champs. Appreciate that, Troy. Yeah, I think uh, Rodgers, I think it's like 1% of the team, which folks can say, oh, whatever. Let me tell you something. 1% of like a billion dollars is $10 million, and the Bucks are probably worth more than a billion, especially with Giannis on the team and winning a title last night. It's probably closer to like two. And, yeah, there are plenty of jokes out there and people having fun with, man, isn't it great to have a superstar MVP athlete in the state of Wisconsin that re-ups, wants to be there, wants to stay, win championships? <laughs> yeah. Another guy doesn't. He's like, nah, it's not money. I want out of here. More on Aaron Rodgers next hour. Um, Elliot Clough is with us from Boot Crew Media. Uh, Elliot, here is – um. You know, as we segue a little bit into uh, Willie Green, I do want to play this soundbite. Monty Williams, who coached Willie Green on the New Orleans Hornets back in the day. Uh, everyone has immense respect for Monty, and uh, here is him congratulating Giannis on the floor, and just it was a crazy scene after the finals last night. Take away from. I just wanted to come and congratulate you guys as a man, as a coach. Um, you guys deserve it, and um, I'm, I'm thankful for the experience. You guys made me a better coach. You made us a better team. Congratulations. I mean, Monty goes into the opposing locker room and makes sure he congratulates the whole team. Giannis personally. Uh, enough can't be said about the class of of Monty. I mean, I remember Greg Popovich when. The Spurs uh, thought they were going to win the NBA Finals and the Heat somehow forced a Game 7 and won it. Uh, but afterwards, he was on the floor just congratulating all the guys, making it a point to get out there and do it. Uh, Monty going into the locker room. It's not something you see all the time from every coach, but, man, hats off. Um, you know, Willie's been Monty's protege a little bit. That's kind of how he's viewed in Phoenix. And if he can have that kind of respect like Monty has around the league, uh, it could go a long way to him. You know, I mean, look, you, it, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to win, but let me tell you something. It, uh, it, it, it can only help. It doesn't hurt when you, when you present yourself the way that Monty does and uh, the way that Willie Green, by all reports, does as well. Oh, absolutely. 
and and especially coming from coming from Stan Van Gundy, who uh, was definitely an overcorrection from Alvin Gentry. That's that's the the way to put it in, in my opinion. And the funny kind of funny part about Monty Williams being such or being the coach that he is and the person that he is is he's pretty much exactly the archetype or the prototype that you would want to be the next head coach of, of New Orleans Pelicans, given the situation that they're coming from and, and the person that they need to lead the charge. And to get Willie Green is uh, like a 1B second a second option. I mean, Green, he's, he's been there before. He's, he's done it in the league. He's got such an incredible relationship with all basically every player in Phoenix, including Chris Paul, including Devin Booker. And I, I just, I really, I, I don't know any way that you can have a better hire and a better transition, to be quite honest. Yes, he's a first-time head coach, but given that circumstance and, and given um, what, what he's done in the league and, and his ability to relate to players, I love the hire, Scott. I really do. And I don't know if you're able to, listen to my podcast with Dwayne Rankin. I did, from, yeah, I did from, listen. Wasn't, well, first of all, wasn't Dwayne awesome? And and second of all, he just outlined every reason why I, I love the hire of Willie Green. Well, um, my, my thing about Willie is, like, it's hard for me in this moment. Like, I don't, I don't dislike it, right? But like it's hard for me to like give a letter grade or a hard reaction because there's you needed you've got one part of it right apparently right to a guy that that at least from the outside getting a vote of confidence from individuals um, that suggests that in terms of being able to relate to the players be a people person and you know be critical in a constructive positive manner that he's got all of that. So that's good. I mean, in fact, I would say that's probably the most important thing. How is Willie going to be with David Griff always looking over his shoulder? How is he going to be with people on his staff that, you know, he doesn't get to say whether they're on his staff. They just are. And I don't have anything against, you know, Witherspoon or, or certainly Fred Vincent being on the staff. I think that's good, right? The, the current players on the team like those guys. But it's like as a first-time head coach, how do you how do you handle that part of it? And if you're a really good people person, you're probably going to hire it better than someone who's, you know, 61 has a different vision and doesn't want to be told what to do ever. Um, you know, there there are very very few coaches in professional sports that have full autonomy. Very few. I mean, I, I Sean Payton is one of the few in the NFL. I mean, he's he is running the show on Airline Drive. You go into the other practice facility on Airline Drive, David Griffin's kind of running the show. I mean, he's got autonomy from Gail Benson right now. Granted, if he screws up this hire, if it doesn't work out, that's out the window. But he's kind of the guy with that. So the coach is just, you know, granted two different sports, two different franchises, but same ownership, same location. Just that's why the comparison's there. And, of course, we're doing the show down in Louisiana. Can, can Green do all of that, you know, uh, X's and O's, all that stuff. It's it's great. It's not going to matter if Griffin doesn't give this team more shooters. So it's hard for me to give like a definitive letter grade. I think it's really undetermined now. So there was no – put it this way. I'll say this, Elliot. I know I'm rambling here. There were some hires they could have made that I would have just hated. Like, no way. Are you kidding me? Don't do this. 
And then there were a number of hires where it's like, okay, this is, it's fine. Like, I I don't know that there was a hire out there that I was going to be like, this is the greatest thing ever. But there were some where I was going to be highly critical. Willie Green was not one of those, right? And Charles Lee wouldn't have been one of those. And for that matter, I don't think Jacques Vaughn would have been one of those. And reports are um, that that Vaughn was was Griff's first choice. But, you know, sometimes the first choice isn't the best choice. I hope it works out. But Willie Green's young. You know, he, he hadn't even hit 40 yet. Um, his dad is the drummer in the meters, which is I told New Orleans connection. I just, that's like, that's like just line. Yeah, that's just an added bonus. But I don't know, man, I, I, I have trouble getting super excited. I just, I just, I just need to see what they do next. You know, the drafts in what a week, what do they do with the draft? Do they take someone? Do they make a pick? What do they do in free agency? Who do they add? There's reports. They're interested in Kyle Lowry. Will that be a good thing? Like there's so much more that this team has to do before I can get excited about something. And, you know, hiring a head coach was just kind of the first step. Sure. And and I think a lot of people are, are more than likely in the same boat as you. Uh, what I'm feeling and, and the reason I feel so strongly about it, and I, I wouldn't say I, I can give it a letter grade quite yet either because he's an unproven head coach, right? And you know, all the reasons that you mentioned, I mean, from what I've seen and heard that Bleacher Report article that came out yesterday by Jake Fisher. Shout out Jake I, I'm Fisher. Really good, really good article. Right, right. It was a great article. He referenced the fact that Jacques Vaughn didn't want to be the next head coach of the Pelicans as much Griff was going to have his hands in things. So I'm assuming that because Griff had mentioned that in that interview process, that he did it with Willie Green as well. And at the very least, Green knows that's going to be a part of everything. That's going to be a part of his job in New Orleans. Now, as, as to whether or not SVG knew that, I, I don't know. Those two seemed like they were best buddies when things started off. And from what I've heard, the relationship quickly soured. But what gives me a little bit of hope is that Griff at least said it to somebody else. What I'm thinking is he then said it to, to Green as well. And to have that conversation is so important before the job starts because you don't want to get into a situation where you start a job and then the relationships are completely different than what you were told or what you were perceived or what you expected. That completely changes the dynamic of the, of the career or, or the job that you take. I mean, what I, I really do like about this hire on top of that is, is what you've mentioned, Willie Green being so incredible with, with, uh, with people, with players. I mean, the, the big issue for Stan Van Gundy wasn't X's and O's because we know that he knows the game of basketball, but it was what it was was relationships, and, and that was from top to bottom with his assistant coaches, with his players, and with the front office. And by way of Dwayne, by way of other reports, we know that Green can handle those relationships well, and, and that's the part that gets in, in terms of X's and O's. In that podcast, we talked about the defense and what he's done with with the team, but to reference uh, an article that I put together as a case for each coach, I was referencing Charles Lee, Fred Vincent, and, and Willie Green. So I'll read this verbatim. For a more, more holistic reference, Green's defensive influence had Phoenix ranked fourth in defensive rating, seventh in defensive efficiency, and ninth in opponent shooting percentage over the course of the regular season. The Pelicans ranked 24th in rating, 23rd in efficiency, and 16th in opponent shooting percentage. 
The turnaround was uh, the Suns made on defense is clearly indicative to what Green is capable of cultivating, and the Pelicans obviously need it. So it's it's not just the the people. He's not just a people person. He's not just somebody who can get along with with others and convey a message that needs to be conveyed to uh, his team and, and to ownership or, or to the front office. He knows the game of basketball too. I mean, he he's played at the highest level, and he was that underdog grit and grind kind of guy. He came from uh, Detroit and, and played college ball there. He, he really made his way when he was in a situation that may not have resulted in that for probably a good portion of the population. So there's a lot of reasons to be excited, but to remain, uh, let, let's say, realistic is 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 fair and and i think a lot of people are, are going to feel that way until proven otherwise just because of what we've seen in the previous hope that we had especially going into this last season for the pelicans yeah or i'll even say if somebody wants to be pessimistic i'm i won't even blame them like i'm not like i'm like i try to be realistic <laughs> but I, I just i can't not with not with covering this franchise for the last 19 years since they've been in the city, but ESPN1420.com. Elliot Clough. All right, Elliot. Um, NFL season kicks off in 50 days. I know on, on our airwaves, college football sooner than that, you know, a lot of focus is going to shift to football. Um, and, you know, a little bit of Major League Baseball as that continues. But, you know, last night's finals ends. Some will talk NBA, you know, players and, and what they do in the Olympics and We'll talk about the draft, and obviously we're going to talk free agency. Um, but as we head into the NBA offseason where it – I shouldn't say it takes a – look, it always take a backdoor to football, but um, – a backseat rather. But free agency, draft, give me the thing the Pelicans have to do, long list of things they have to do. But what is number one on the list for you is before we let you run, thanks for coming on to talk finals and a little bit of Pels with us. What's the number one thing they have to do to put themselves in a position to be in the playoffs next year and be a team worth worth a hoot? I think hmm, that's that's tough to put it to one answer. Like you said, a lot of things to do this offseason. Number one to me is, is shooting. Because when we talk about spacing, we talk about the need for – guards to be able to hit shots because that opens things up so much for Zion opens things up for Brandon Ingram too, because we didn't really see him attack the basket probably even half as much as he did in 2019, 2020 this season. And that's probably because of how crowded it was down there with Steven Adams, Zion Williamson, Billy Hernan Gomez, all that. And so it's, it's going to be going out and either making trades or, picking up players in free agency or getting guys to the Pittsburgh to add to, to the ability for this team to shoot because Nah, before he got hurt towards the end of the season was hitting shots. He was awesome. I, and I've said this on a couple other shows that I think if Nah hadn't gotten hurt, the Pelicans would have gotten into the play in because he was just playing an, an incredible level of basketball towards the end of the season. We've also seen him putting in work, with uh, Team Canada and and some individual work as well this summer. So that impact on the team was huge. And if you could add just one or two more guys that can do that and and no defense and have a high enough basketball IQ to to impact the game on that end as well, 
that changes the Pelican ceiling drastically. And on top of that, if you get rid of Eric Bledsoe to get some shooters, it's it's two birds, man. It's two birds. And, and if you have to get rid, of, get rid of Steven Adams, then by all means to, to go out and get like a Kyle Lowry or, or somebody like that as well. So it's, for me, it's, it's shooting. And, and secondarily, it's defense. And, and when you think about the, the latter of those two, toughness and IQ kind of uh, combine into that, that mold of, of being a, a talented defensive player in the league. And those were the three things that Chris listed, right? He said shooting IQ and toughness in the postseason media session. Um, that was, I think that was the day after the last game of the season, but he, he wrapped it up and said that those were the three things that this roster needed. And so for me, number one is shooting because, you know, some teams just straight up aren't good at defense in this league and ultimately make their way to the playoffs or, or to the play in now with just how talented they are offensively. And we know Zion and Brandon Ingram are already there. And if you add the firepower to the offense that, that, that they need in terms of shooting, that's going to, that's going to change things significantly. And specific players, like I said, a Corey Kispert, a Kyle Lowry, who knows, a Colin Sexton could, could change that in, in a big way. And in terms of what player it should be specifically, uh, you know, we talk about Sexton being, some people say he's a ball hog. Some people say he's not good defensively, but the intangible intensity he brings is, is huge. And, you have to know that style of play is going to change when you add Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram to a team that has Colin Sexton to a team that has those two, because these are two high level basketball players, Zion Williamson transcendent going to be a hall of famer. If he continues on the upward trajectory he's on, I, I, I think there's a lot of ways this can go. Elliot Clough has been our guest, talked a lot of NBA Finals, Giannis, the Bucks championship, what it means to the league, little Pels there in this segment. He is the host of the Pelicans Plus podcast. He is an NBA writer for Boot Crew Media. Follow him on Twitter at Elliot Clough. That's E-L-I-O-T-C-L-O-U-G-H. Appreciate it, Elliot. All the best, man, and we'll talk to you down the line. Thanks, Scott. Have a good one. You got it. Open phone lines in the next segment. Sun's final loss adds to Chris Paul's playoff disappointments, but what did, how did his legacy change this postseason? Giannis's otherworldly performance last night, good Lord. Just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Preseason all Sunbelt teams and predictions came out yesterday. Folks had a few questions as to what the setup was in terms of voting. Sunbelt's doing a lot of different stuff now. I'll tell you a little wrinkle they threw in there, something that's different, something that maybe some members of the media weren't crazy about. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott show continues after this. I'm Scott Prather. It's ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com and the ESPN 1420 app. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. The Bucks are NBA champions for the first time in 50 years. You know, I if it's been that long, you don't put like, I don't know, don't put 
two-time NBA champs on like the brand new t-shirts and hats you take out of the box. It's been 50 years. You know, if a lot of people watching have never seen the Bucks win a championship because they weren't alive, just roll with 2021 NBA champs. Like Phoenix won a championship, I don't know, over 50 years ago with some different franchise. Like, you know, if they had won, I, I'd like to think they wouldn't just have like in two-time NBA champs. Now, granted, it was a different franchise at the time or a different city, whatever. Lee. NBA, ABA merger before all that. Just just roll with the regular championship shirt. But uh, but what a scene, man. What a scene. What a performance by Giannis. Legendary. Incredible stuff. Phone lines are open for you guys. 269-1077-269-1077. You could tweet the show as well at... ESPN1420.com. Let's head to the phone lines right now. Good morning. Welcome into the show. What's up? Uh, it makes sense. Uh, but first off, before I do that, um, I want to congratulate the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, uh, their fans, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks franchise winning the uh, NBA championship. But uh, it makes sense. If they were, if they would have won the title in like 1973-74, they wouldn't have done it. I just think the idea that is 50 years you know, 50, you know, that's a big name. You see sports. Uh, hey, you see like I said, Giannis scoring 50 was somehow better than if he had scored 51. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, hey, it's just I, more hey, memorable. Hey, we, I, didn't, I didn't hear you say that, but we had the bar like, hey, Michael Jackson died at 50. I mean, he would have been 51 in August just, right there. So, hey, why not? That last free throw he missed on a <laughs> night where he finally, when he just suddenly could make every free throw except two. Uh, 50 is better than 51 and, and when it's a legendary closeout game in an NBA fight. Like you'll remember Giannis's performance 50 years from now. I mean, I probably won't be alive in 50 years, but if I am, because I'll just remember, yeah, he, he put up 50 in a, in a closeout game when, you know, Middleton and Holiday didn't have it offensively most of the night until the fourth quarter. Uh, he just took over, man. It was, it was, it was the Giannis show last night. To average over 35, 13, and 5 in an NBA Finals. Um, I don't know, man. I've, I've run out of the adjectives, the descriptions, but it was just, it was a masterpiece last night from him. It was incredible. Oh, well, you know, hey, I, I, you know, I have to be real with myself. I picked Suns in six. Um, you know, uh, Scott, I think this is the first Finals. I know it's not that long ago, uh, five years. <laughs> uh, team down 2 0. Uh, was able to come back. Um, yeah, they, the way they did it, man, just four straight. You know, it's like you said, too much Giannis, the defense, uh, players coming up through clutch moments. Look at Portis. Portis, Portis hitting shots, you know. Talk about um, the, the um, you know, a fan favorite, man. I mean, they love Bobby Portis in Milwaukee, that guy. He was, uh, yeah, and he he made big shots last night, but he Portis, man, Portis, Portis, man. I, I remember, hey, you remember that incident? I don't know if you remember that. I had some seasons back when Portis was playing for the Bulls. Yeah, when he when he, he just... when he cold cocked uh, Nico Miritich, the <laughs> hey, former Pelican, the before he got traded. Portis. Yeah, he he, yeah. he he broke he broke Nico's jaw. Yeah, I think dudes look at uh, can't look at Portis like. You know, Portis looks off. Like, hey, we we just not gonna mess with him. You know, we're gonna 
And I think that that plays that plays in your you, if you psychologically. You need, you, I'm telling you, like <laughs> you you need that on a championship team. Now it might not be the whole he's got crazy eyes, but you know the idea of like. I'm not looking at. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying, though. I'm not. I'm not. The enforcer type. You know what I mean? Like, you know, know what look. Yeah. (laughs) Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. You know. I'm not saying the dude got issues. I don't know. All I'm saying is, you look like somebody you don't mess with when it comes to just. You know, if you mess with him, you better. You better have some hands yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. you better. You you better feel confident about what you are. What you have. You know. But um. That's what I'm saying. And like you said, you're right. You do. You need some enforcers. Now, who's going to be the enforcer on the Pelicans? Right now, um, no one. I you mean, know. <laughs> you know, honestly, like like last season. Okay, you know when the Pelicans traded JJ Redick and um, you know uh, Nico Melli, the talk was all about Redick being kind of butthurt and upset and saying some things publicly. And then suddenly it's, okay, well, what did they get for him? And folks really, I mean, Pelican fans, and I'll I'll throw myself in there, they really liked what James Johnson brought to the table. And it's like, wait yeah, a minute, yeah. the, guy's, the guy's 34. He's not a great shooter. He's But what did they like? They liked the fact that there was somebody that just wasn't going to take any BS, right? Oh, like they didn't have that on the team. Suddenly... Uh, you know, Dwight Howard, I remember a game, he takes a really cheap shot on Zion, like a really, really big cheap shot. One guy walked over and got in Dwight's face. One guy. It was James Johnson, who had been on the team for like a week. It's like, you need more of that. That's why people like want him to come back. And and it's like, I, it's fine. But if he doesn't come back, you better have someone on that team that can be an enforcer and get in there. And, you know, I'll say this. I think, I think, Steven Adams was that guy in OKC. I didn't see that as much in New Orleans last year, to be honest. Um, you know, but if he's on the team next year, he needs to be that guy because that's part of the reason they sign him. But I have a feeling either of those guys are going to be on the team next year. So I, I think um, that's why Kyle Lowry left. I think he's gonna, I think that's why he, a player like that is valuable. I think I think Kyle Lowry is. I think they're going to pay. I think they're going to. I think they're going to offer Kyle Lowry a lot of money. Who? The Pelicans. Does any team? No, I think the Pelicans are going to offer him. I think they're going to offer more than. Why would he go there? Hey hey, man, I don't think I don't think people realize how the league is made. Well, he's 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 thirty five. Okay, his agent made it clear he wants to go to one spot on a multi year deal. He's looking for a big payday. He's already won a ring. yeah, I think I I think those are the reasons why. I mean, it's not like Lowry's okay, so. like in his prime or like he knows this is his last chance for a good payday. And I think I think the Pelicans end up having to pay a little bit more because you know they're the Pelicans. They're not they're not the Lakers. Okay, I, I, we'll, we'll see what happens in free agency, man. I, I, when I, I keep hearing that, like, why do you, so why would he a veteran like that who has a title? Why would he sign there? But like then I hear what you just told me. You know, it makes sense. His agent, his agents, kind of come out and said what he wanted. I don't see another team for paying for him. And look, I I love Kyle Lowry. All right, you know, I mean, he, granted, but they're going to look at him and you know they're going to say, well, yeah, it worked for Chris Paul, but Lowry's not as good. You know, he's six foot, two hundred pounds. I mean, he might get hurt and this and that or the other. I just know that dude is competitive as hell, and this team desperately needs some of that in the locker room. 
Yeah, Giannis, man, the blocks, man. I don't think that was a goaltender. I think that was cheap. But uh, look, you have a good one, man, and thank you. It was close. It was close. Look, when you're when you're a top legendary star, and you can start to use the word legendary now because to describe Giannis because he won a championship and and it was a legendary performance when he did it. But the top stars in the NBA and in the NFL. <clears throat> Let me rephrase. The top stars in the NBA and quarterbacks in the NFL are going to be judged a lot of the time, unfairly, but it's just a fact, by championship rings. Have they won them? Giannis won the title with a franchise that drafted him in an NBA era when a lot of the players get to year five, six, eh, I'm out. But the thing about Milwaukee is it, it's not like they weren't close, right? It's not like they weren't close. Like the, the last two seasons, Milwaukee had the best record in the regular season. This year, in a year where it was pr- probably more important than ever because of the grind of testing and COVID and, and everything that the players had to go through, the compressed season that went into July – I heard I heard Drew Holiday on a podcast a month or two ago talking about Coach Budenheiser saying, "Listen, he, he the guy knows how much wear and tear is put on each body. He knows when a guy should be at practice and when a guy needs the rest. He knows how to manage the health of the team and not push it to the limit. And how big was that in an NBA Finals where?" You know, an NBA season where you saw a lot of key players get hurt, where we all thought, what, two and a half weeks ago, Giannis was done. Oh, yeah, crown the Suns because Giannis' knee is, is it's, it's, it's finished. Meanwhile, he, he misses a few games of the conference finals that they win anyway against the Hawks, and then he comes out in the NBA finals and just balls. Just absolutely balls. But Giannis, well, he's got below average shooting ability. Okay. He might leave the Bucks. Dedicated segments over and over on national shows, radio and TV. Where should he go next? Well, he signed a Supermax extension in December worth nearly a quarter of a billion dollars for a team that was knocking on the door. So he shut those segments down. Well, you know, he's an MVP, but is he really, you know, is he truly great? I mean, like Harden said, does he really have those skills? Um, Sorry, James. Yes. He said it was an easy decision. Never thought about leaving. We were close. He did say last night, I could go to a super team and just do my part and win a championship, but this is the hard way to do it. Pound at the table. And then Milwaukee gambled because you got to gamble. You got to take chances. Trade for Drew Holiday. Respected around the league. Then gave Drew Holiday the bag. Big money. Well, guess what? Both sides of the ball when they needed it most. Like the this series flipped in game five. We're talking about game six. It flipped in game five. Milwaukee won on the road on a night where Phoenix played really well. On a night where Phoenix shot great. On a night where Phoenix just struggled when Booker wasn't on the floor, but did it's not like they played bad in that game. But winning that game on the road is what set up last night. And Holiday was big. 23 points, 13 assists in that game. His defense was awesome. 
So the Bucks, yeah, they didn't finish first in the East this year like they did the last two years. They finished third. But guess what? Players had been rested. They were healthy. They avoided major injuries. Drew got COVID. They had a little bit of that among this some time. They trade for P.J. Tucker. And a coach just getting completely scrutinized makes adjustments. Coach Bud deserves more credit today, by the way. And and put Giannis in good situations to, to thrive. Well, it's Chris Middleton. I mean, he's an all-star, but can he really be a number two on a championship team? The answer is yes, because it happened. Just awesome. It was great. It was great. And if Durant's foot is a size 15 instead of a size 14 and his toe wasn't, you know, on the three-point line, uh, it would have been a game-winning three. And then guess what? The conversation is, yeah, Giannis just signed a Supermax, but, you know, in a year or two, where should he go? No. Literally a game of inches. Literally a game of inches. And that block... In game four, like Giannis had a number of big moments. The block in game four where he defended the alley and the oop. You know, Giannis been amazing. Uh, he didn't have the, you know, the dominant performance that we used to seeing, but he did it with the other things tonight, and that's what helped us win. Well, I'm sure you were amazing, but what was it like to trade buckets with Devin Booker on a night where you... That's Chris Middleton after game four. It was great, man. It was awesome. Great NBA finals. Emails. Jerry emails. He says, Scott, has there ever been a other than Giannis that has been a regular season MVP, defensive player of the year, and finals MVP? Uh, there has been. There's been two other players. Giannis, two-time MVP, a defensive player of the year, now a finals MVP. The other two players that have done it would be Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon. Good stuff. Pretty, pretty good company for Giannis. Pretty good company. Giannis and Chris Middleton, by the way, said this a couple times last hour. They were on the team that had the worst record in the league. In 2014, the Bucs finished the season at 15-67. and 67. Now they're NBA champions. Building it and winning it. Congrats to, uh, I mean, I'm not a Bucs fan, but Happy for Drew and other guys on that team. But, uh, you know, my friend Luke Johnson, he's a Wisconsin native. I know he's a Bucks fan. I know Melvin, who has called the show over the years, he's a Bucks fan. Uh, to any tried and true Bucks fan out there, enjoy the moment. Enjoy it. ESPN 1420.com. Hello. And I'm enjoying it, Scott. Oh, there he is. Oh man. <laughs> oh man, what's I'm up? I'm worn out from last night, buddy. But man, boy, that feels good, Scott. It was 15 years ago, last time I got to celebrate, I was a little nine-year-old brat <laughs> running around the house, and my mom had to put me in my place that night. So, hey, look, nobody could put me in my place last night. That was great, Scott. My God, that was great. Enjoy it, man. It was, um, it, it was, uh, it was it, it, the fact that it happened with a leg in a legendary performance as well. Um. You know, it, it, there's something about it that makes it. I don't know. Like, I feel like for and you could speak on this more than me. I feel like for Bucks fan fans, it couldn't be more apropos than the way it unfolded. No way, no other way, not at all. 
Yeah, I, I can't, I mean, I can't believe you're up this early. I figured you, I mean, did you sleep last night at all? Uh, not much. The juice ran till about, about 2 o'clock, you know, watching all the post games I could, getting all my fill of it. And then I finally went to sleep, and I got to come back to work. You know that, but it's hard, man. I'm dragging before I still got a little bit of that adrenaline going, man. Hey, what do you what do you have to say to uh, any knuckleheads that were suggesting back when the Bucks traded for Drew Holiday that they probably should have just kept Eric Bledsoe? They were kind of the same player. <laughs> I remember I was talking to somebody. He said, "He said, man, you, you, you're not upset getting rid of Eric Bledsoe." I said, "Eric Bledsoe is the reason why we didn't win a championship two years ago Oof. when we lost to Toronto." Man. I guarantee you, invert those two there, holiday for Bledsoe, we win the championship that year. I mean, it, it was, you know, experiencing Bledsoe this year on the Pelicans was uh, interesting. Um, but, no, Drew's a great guy. And, I mean, it was it was he was a difference maker, man. Lockdown on defense, big moments, you know. I mean, here's the thing. This is the stat for Drew Holiday that everyone needs to remember. In the NBA playoffs this year, his plus-minus ratio was plus one thirty-nine. Wow. That's that's incredible. Like, and it's not like, and it's not like he, you know, he has games where his offense just isn't there. I mean, I've seen it for years, but you know, some games it is there. But that defense, man, it's undeniable. And when you're plus one thirty-nine in the postseason, I don't know what Bledsoe's plus-minus was that postseason. He was, you know, you're referencing, but. But Drew Holiday at plus 139 when he was on the floor this entire postseason, the Bucks were 139 points better than their opponent. I mean, you can't – plus minus, I, I admit, at times can get abused in like a single game. Because after all, like in game five, Giannis, I think, was minus seven. But if you watch the game, it's like, come on. I mean, you saw you saw clearly they were better with Giannis. And Devin Booker was plus 12, but the Bucks won and the Suns lost. Plus one thirty nine over the course of an entire postseason when you win the finals, that you there's not overstating the plus minus there. This isn't a single game. This is a large sample size, as my friend would say, and uh, and and that tells you what you need to know about Drew Holiday's performance. Well, I think he wore down Paul. You could see that. Paul. Oh, he, there's no question. There's no question. He, I mean, he, game one, Paul went off, but guess who wasn't guarding him ever at all in game one. Drew Holiday, guess who started to get the Paul assignment a lot more in game two? Guess who was draped on Paul whenever Devin Booker was on the bench and Paul was on the floor, and that plus-minus is like minus 40-something. It was minus 39 hitting into last night's game. I don't know what it was last night. It was Drew Holiday. So, you know, and I love Chris Paul, and, you know, I, I if, he had, if he had won, I would have been happy for him and Monty, but this talk of, well, Paul must be beat up, this or that. No, he just – Drew Holiday is the reason why those numbers were what they were, games two through six, rather than in game one. It's just like a boxing match. And what, what Holiday was doing after that game one, he was just giving a Paul body blows all through the rest of the series. And it, it, it took it. It took its toll, and Paul didn't have his legs last night at all. No, he was, he, was, he was gassed. He was gassed. And he's like, he's a warrior, but – he was gassed, and um, Holiday is, you know, again, Coach Bud, who he gives a lot of credit to. He's like he, yeah, no, he knew, he knew, he knew too. my, he knew my body. He knew, like he knew, Drew, how are you feeling? I'm good, Coach. I can go. No, you're not. I talk to the trainer. You don't need to practice today. Sit down. Like there are some players that will look for a reason not to practice. Drew's not one of them, but he talked about how different that was and having your legs. And still being good to go in a season like this one, 
that was unlike any other NBA season ever, just in terms of the compressed schedule, the constant COVID testing, and everything else the players went through. Not to mention Drew missed, what, three weeks when he had COVID, and it took him a while to get back and get into shape. I mean, he had it bad. He talked about it. He's like, I was in a basement. There was snow outside. I didn't see sunlight much. I couldn't play with my family, and I had trouble breathing. So that happened in the middle of the season for him, and him to bounce back and just come back. And I don't know. I could go on and on about the team again. I'm not a Bucks fan. You are, but you can't say anything bad about this Bucks team. The how, about, how about Coach Bud? How about Coach Bud? You know, you know, he was very close. Like he said, he was a toenail away from losing his job because they lose to the Brooklyn. He's far. He's gone. And he might never get another coaching job again. But, you know, he made adjustments. Every series he made adjustments on after the first game, one or two, even against the Hawks, they lost the first game. But he made adjustments. It's the right ones, and each series, not just the players, but it was also him putting them in the right spot for them to see. He did a good job. And look, I was one of his biggest critics. You know, when it's your team and that coach is not getting them done, getting it done for you, you, you know, you want to point the finger to him. But I've got to give him, but he did a great job. Don't you agree? Yeah. Yeah, and look, the, the, the some of the criticism was fair at times. I thought it was a bit over the top, but it's not like it was unfair. Um, it's not. It's not like it wasn't warranted. Put it that way. Some people I think just took it too far, um, and said some somewhat outlandish things. But you know, when you've got championship aspirations and you, you keep coming up short, um, you know your your seat's hotter than somebody who doesn't necessarily have uh, that championship expectation. That's trying to build toward it. So you're right. You know, if if Durant wears a size 15, he, he might be fired. Um, probably would have been. And here you are. And He's a champion, and uh, any praise he gets today, he deserves all of it. Yeah, Scott. Well, look, it's good talking to you, buddy. I'll uh, I'll you later. Enjoy the moment, Melvin. I will. Enjoy the moment. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. I'm Scott Prather. It's the Great Scott Show. Quick timeout when we come back. Giannis last night reflecting on his NBA journey, talking about what his mom had to do when he was a kid just to make ends meet, where they are now, putting in the time. We're talking about it next. It's the Great Scott Show with open phone lines as well at 269-1077 if you want to jump on. Don't go anywhere. We're right back right after this. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. <clears throat> My friend Ralph last night said it best on Twitter. Teams like when you're a blue blood and you win a lot, it's it's fine, it's fun, and I'm sure they'll party it up in Tuscaloosa if Alabama wins a national championship again, right? But the truth is, in sports. Cities, as as my friend put it, cities that don't usually or hardly ever win titles celebrate better and harder and have more fun when they do than when the Blue Blood franchises ever could. It's true. You got Giannis, who 
early in the season, his rookie year, took a cab to a Western Union to send all of his money home back to Greece, realized, shoot, now I don't have any money for a cab. Started running to the game. Played a game in a few hours at the arena. And, you know, about a mile away, a couple pulls over and they're like, are you Giannis? Are you the rookie? He said, yeah. It was in winter, by the way. It's like early November. So he hadn't been in the league long. It's like 20 degrees in the afternoon. And they give him a ride to the Bradley Center. Tell him, hey, man, you should probably get a winter jacket. Said he was sweet. He was thankful. You know, he said it last night. My mom was selling stuff in the street. Now I'm here sitting at the top of the top. I'm extremely blessed. Talking about his NBA journey. Humble beginnings. In Greece. Now a two-time MVP. An NBA Finals MVP. Defensive Player of the Year. And more than anything else, an NBA champion. It was something, man. It was something. ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Giannis, here's more from him. And um, had a lot of nice things to say about his journey. Here he is talking about how special it's been up until the moment last night. It's, it's an unbelievable. Uh, it's really special to uh, do it with my, you know, my teammate do it with this team, uh, do it for the city of Milwaukee. Um, first year, we won 15 games, you know, and uh, in order for you to win the championship, you got to win 16 games, you know, we got one one game better. Uh, but uh, we couldn't do it without the support of uh, the city uh, that was cheering us on in every single game we played. Uh, but this, it was a long journey, but it was definitely a journey that was worth it. I mean, think about that. As he just said, they won more games this postseason than they did his entire rookie year in an 82-game regular season. <laughs> That's wild. You know who else was on that team that only won 15 games? Chris Middleton. That's my guy. That's my brother for life. We connected for life. Um, and just being able to do it. We've been together for eight years, and being able to do it with him, uh, it's a it's a great feeling. And uh, he's a he's a unbelievable player uh he helped this team be great throughout the whole playoffs and uh we got more things to accomplish together me and him he seems so earnest and genuine and he had his moment he's a champion when a lot of folks doubted him it's like this this rare elixir that you can't you can't really create it in a lab, but what I mean is it's this rare combination of things that happen that unfold it to make Giannis currently like the most approved athlete in American sports at the moment. Like the least amount of detractors, the least amount of haters. I mean, the guy's universally liked. You know how difficult that is to do? He's done it. It's 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 amazing. It's amazing um, doing it in Milwaukee. Uh, that's a great feeling. Doing it after fifty years. Um, that's a great feeling too. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com.
This guy didn't start playing basketball until 2008. He's 26. He hasn't even been playing basketball like half, like he's been playing like half of his life. He's 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 been playing basketball half of his life. What a moment, man! What a moment! What a performance! Six-player in NBA history to score 40-plus points three times in a single NBA Finals. And one of only three to do it in what? The modern players? LeBron? MJ? Shaq. Again, pretty good company. On its feet early. And you see what Giannis did. He came over as he dunks it on the spin there. Middleton. His runner won't go, and then a Kumpo with the follow. Bucks, meanwhile, just 6 of 18. Then a Kumpo lays it up and in. He is dominating right now. Five and a half. Here on the fourth. Antetokounmpo off one foot. It's good. 36 points for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Joel Maders in the game. Middleton. Antetokounmpo throws it down. A quick bucket. What do you want them to do? That's a non-shooting foul. <laughs> Holiday inside. Antetokounmpo gets to the rim on a pretty slip pass. Way short on the three. Tucker grabs it. Back to it. And the Bucks regain the lead. Because of the injury, Dario Sharge hasn't played a heck of a lot. And Fedekupo draws a foul, banks it home, and a chance for a three-point play. Holiday, inside pass, broken up by Booker, still loose. And takes it away and throws it down. Crowder crowds at Fedekupo. Gets past him inside for the slam. Portis, Giannis, and Fedekupo inside. It's too much hands holding on to the ball. The spin move, the finish! Giannis does it again! Tedekupo calling for it. Goes against Crowder, gets inside, Banker won't go. The rebound, back up and in! Middleton off the bounce, throws it up, bank shot, no good! And Tedekupo with the follow! Middleton inside, nice entry pass! And the slam from Tedekupo! Adelaide looking. Inside of Pitacupo, puts up the one-hander, shot is good, does it again. Guy had 50 points. That is Mike Breen of ABC Sports. I'm Scott Prather at ESPN1420N.com. Think of the key players on the team, right? Giannis was not a lottery pick. First-round pick, but not a lottery pick. Chris Middleton was second round, 39th overall by Milwaukee. Right? Pat Connaughton was a second round pick, 41st overall. Drew Holiday was a first round pick, granted by the Philadelphia 76ers back in 09, but again, not a lottery pick. Bobby Portis, 22nd overall, not a lottery pick. You look at the core of that team, it just. PJ Tucker, 35th overall. Played overseas. Brooke Lopez is the highest drafted player on the team. 10th overall to Stanford. And he had a moment last night. Like, is there... I think I think Lopez is the only lottery player on the team. And I don't think that this is going to be a new trend either. The reality is, as much as everyone's saying this is great for the NBA, it is. Give small market teams hope. It does. I don't think suddenly this is going to become the trend, unfortunately.
Milwaukee's the exception more than the norm. You're still going to see your your traditional powers. You're still going to see superstars go to those teams in the bigger markets with big payrolls, with enough good players around them to compete on an annual basis for a championship. You know, at some point in the smaller markets, it, well, in every market for that matter, it does come tumbling down. You know, I know the Lakers won the title last October, but it, the year before that, they weren't even in the playoffs. And LeBron was there, and the year before that, and the year before that. I mean, they had they had a rough stretch there for a while. Small market, big market, it happens. Right? You don't do it forever. Pelicans are hoping the Bucks can't do it forever because they start getting some of those draft picks and swap rights in 2025, but it was awesome. Great moment last night, legendary performance. For Giannis, who, ah, man, just an absolute superstar. Not all championships are created equal. The first Warriors championship is viewed differently by many than the second when Durant was there. Not an asterisk, still the same in the record book, but folks, they, they look at it differently. But when you score 50 points, 14 rebounds, five shots, you win it on your own home floor in a closeout game six against another small market team with an up-and-coming superstar. That is good for the league. It's the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Phone lines are open at 269-1077. Appreciate uh, this email from Troy. Troy, thank you. Um, locally. Lafayette Little League, undefeated, playing in the finals tonight, as he puts it. Trip to Waco on the line over at Broussard Street, Julian Park, 6 o'clock. He says, let's pack the stands for the Lafayette Little League tonight. Win tonight, it's over. If they lose, the if necessary game is tomorrow night. Come on, Lafayette Little League. Let's roll with it. Let's roll with it. Never forget that 05 team, man. And and some of the other great ones, Mister Mister the Great, Mister Bitter's epic calls, never forget some of those. Um, coming up tomorrow on the Great Scott Show, going to be in New Orleans Sun Belt Conference Media Days. I will be chatting with Coach Billy Napier tomorrow morning. I think right out the gate around seven. Norm, who joins me on Thursdays, will be with me in NOLA. We'll be talking with the Sunbelt Conference Commissioner, Keith Gill. i got some questions for him. Just a few. Visiting with uh, head coach of App State, among others, Max Mitchell, Zion Hill. Might not have him live on the show. We'll be conducting a lot of interviews throughout the day that will air in the coming weeks. We're getting closer and closer to football season, right? That first Thursday night when college football has a number of games on the schedule, that first Thursday, it's 43 days away. And then the Saturday before that when there's only a, you know maybe one game in prime time, it's 40 days away. The NFL season kicks off on Thursday night. Bucks cowboys in 50 days. As we get closer, we'll be talking a whole lot of football in these airwaves in the coming weeks. Good luck to Lafayette Little League. Congrats to Melvin Luke and all the tried and true Bucks fans out there. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow morning from downtown NOLA. I'm Scott Prather. It's ESPN 1420. Mike Greenberg is next.
Don't go anywhere.